did this N-word just show her how a camera works? <coughs> Gloria, mother effing Hendry, and her hat. Mm. When she walks in. Are those N-words doing black kung fu morning? No. Wait a minute. Ooh, sexy Marla Gibbs. Jim Kelly with white girls on a trampoline with no explanation. Those are just some of the copious notes that I took as I was watching tonight's film, Black Belt Jones. I'm saving. All right, you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why is he surrounded by white girls on a trampoline and no one mentions it at all? It's like sometimes Jim Kelly just walks around and swims shorts helping white girls on trampolines because 1974 all right you ready this is how the alt-right started this right here this is the this is the seed of the alt-right right here jim kelly in little itty bitty swimsuit with white girls on trampolines <laughs> and it's not even worth mentioning Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. One <laughs> Cause now the questions have started to sneak into your head. Why were those white girls on the trampoline? What were they training for? Was this training? Was Black Belt Jones also a pimp? What's going on? Tune in to this episode of the Michelle Mission for the answers to this <laughs> and many other questions. As two men, one podcast, every black film ever made gets down with Black Belt Jones. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by... Hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. 8 to 10 on GTownRadio.com, Wednesdays. Yeah, so tonight we are going to be... We're going to be reviewing 1974's Black Belt Jones with Jim the Dragon Kelly. Yes. Gloria Hendry. Yes, Lord. Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Took you a minute. It... it Slightly unrecognizable, Scatman Crothers. Well, with that wig. In this movie. Hey, 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 hey. How do you know that wasn't the last vestiges of his process? You are right. You are right. You do not know. Uh, and in an unbilled cameo, straight from the deck of the love boat, it's Ted Lang. Ted Lang. This is actually probably straight from um, That's My Mama, though. Oh, it's probably, probably, this is probably his audition. Yeah. For That's My Mama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the role of Quincy, we had little Eric Lanavelle. Little Eric Lanavelle. Who's been in, like, tons of stuff. I he was am, in The White Shadow. I, I am a... He's... He, like, I almost don't even want to call him a character actor. Yeah. But I do... I really like him a lot. Yeah. And I think he became... Uh, made uh, quite a name for him for himself behind the camera. As right, well. right. Kind of took that Kevin Hooks path. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, but before we get into Black Belt Jones, and trust me, we need to do this. Um, <laughs> as always, we like to thank each and every one of you that 
likes us on Facebook at Michelle Mission, follows us on Twitter at Mission Michelle, and likes and follow us as well on Instagram at Michelle Mission. Uh, we got um, a lot of like. Not like a whole lot of comments, but a whole lot of likes and oh, loves nice. and follows. Thank you. Thank because you, thank of you. our episode um, with Dorian and Simone Missick. They put the booties in the seats, don't they? Yes, they do. When we reviewed uh, Strictly Business. Yes. Because that didn't put the booties in the seats. <laughs> they came there strictly for the Missicks. Yes, yes. Um, so we want to thank everyone that really um, like seemed to really enjoy that episode and for those for whom that episode was your um introduction to the michelle mission we say thank you yes. and hello hello stick around stick around welcome we promise that you will enjoy yourself yes you know simone and dorian wouldn't stare you wrong no no they would uh so th- that was really cool we actually did hear back on facebook from people or from you know a couple of listeners okay that enjoyed our time with the mystics let's see if i can go here and see we heard from tom laporta tom he said michelle men i hope all is well it is i love the strictly business episode with the mystics and happy we got blessed with it early I'm all kinds of hype for BBJ, too. That's Black Belt Jones. Black Belt Jones. On your recommendation from a while ago, I just checked out Imitation of Life, the one with Juanita Moore. Okay. Okay. I I can't wait until you guys do that one because it's mind boggling. In in fact, you should probably hope you don't run into me on out in the streets because it will definitely come up. Oh, okay. Okay. I think we might have to do that before 100. Run into Tom on the street? Well, run into Tom on the streets. And I think imitation of life is is probably something that should, you know, I think we could do that before 100. That's a good leading up to the 100th show. We shall see. Yeah. yeah. He also says this part that you don't have to put any of this on the on the pod. But here we are. But here we are. <laughs> But you guys are doing absolutely phenomenal work that needs doing. Oh, thank I'll forever you, be grateful that you turned me on to Daughters of the Dust. The Blu-ray is gorgeous, and it's like I have a new classic Malik picture. Nice. Thanks a million for everything you've done and are still doing. And thanks, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Good friend. Good friend of the show. Most definitely. And to us. Most definitely. Speaking of the mystics. Did you get a chance to check out Marvel's, well, Netflix, Marvel's The Defenders? I did. I did. Did you see it? With our own Simone Mystic. Absolutely. And I did watch every episode. What did you think? No, I started. I asked you first. What did you think? I liked it. You liked it? I liked it. I think, um, (laughs) you know, it kind of reminds me, sometimes I'll have a student Mm -hmm. that, like, turns in, like, a C-plus paper. Mm Mm-hmm. But they work so hard on it. Like, they'll come to office hours and they'll ask me questions. Like, I'll bump them up to a B. Right. I feel like it was a B. Really? Like, I liked lots of parts of it. You know, I like the acting. I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, the 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 Luke Cage parts. Right. And specifically Simone's part at the station. Mm-hmm. Like, I said this about Luke Cage. I love Misty Knight just sort of. Like, like, like just having that perpetual, this is some bullshit. 
look on her face. <laughs> I know you got to bleep it, but it's so like that's and that is the look on that her face. Is the look on her face every scene she's in, and I love that approach to police work. Yeah, like, in these shared universes, like mm-hmm. you know, not just because it's Simone, but because I always love that aspect of it. Right. Um, I love the fact that they clowned Iron Fist the whole time. I did like that. Like I loved that they clowned him and how they recalibrated his character. You think they did? You I think do, they did? By the end, I kind of got it. Like when he was in the in the Bruce Lee sweatsuit mm-hmm. on the roof. Oh, uh, spoilers, y'all. And you know he's sort of figuring it out. Mm. I said, "All right, I kind of see it. All right, uh, you know Jessica Jones and and Daredevil interacting, or you know Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock made me laugh out loud several times. Like I love Jessica Jones, yes, but now I really love Jessica Jones, yes. After this, I actually thought that she was." Um I actually thought she was the best part of this of, Absolutely. of this series. And I was completely surprised by that. Yeah, so like was I. I wasn't ready for her to be the one that I left wanting more of. Yeah, she was like the lynch to me she was the linchpin that held it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Rosario Dawson, you know, has has been a steady force throughout yeah. all of these series yes. and she continues to be. Mhm. You know, I, was, I love when Luke comes home and they <laughs> They remember, hey, we ain't had no coffee yet. We ain't had no coffee yet. Whoa. You know, it was crowded, but I think that's sort of structurally, it was going to be crowded. Yeah. You you know, they had to kind of do the fan service Mm -hmm. of getting everybody in there. You know, uh, uh, let me see. What what else? I thought the hand was a little weak. Like as a group. As as a, a group. I think Sigourney Weaver... And the actress who plays Madame Gao are 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 so much better than the other three men mm-hmm. who played the other fingers of the hand. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time believing that the five of them were the hand. Were the I hand. felt that way too. Like not even, and, and it wasn't even like it wasn't even the age thing because you no. know Madame Gao and Sigourney were so, certainly right. considerably older, um, but. I did, like that's the hand, right? But but in defense of what you said, though, I thought the weak link was the one that they brought back from Iron Fist, right? I right. thought like like he was he's the he's clearly the thumb. Yeah, I mean, you know, the brother was just sort of there for a minute. Like you get the sense that he was supposed to be like almost a Hannibal Lecter psychological warrior a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, I, I dug his presence. You know, the Asian guy—they really just kind of leaned on the Asian godness of him. It's like he was like the yakuza yeah. archetype from yeah. the '90s. You know, he speaks Japanese, and you know, he's really—you know—they have like the really, really heightened entrance music every time he came in. But I didn't think it was a lot there with him either. Yeah, I think they they leaned on the myth of what the what maybe the script says he is right exactly. but it didn't come through exactly it didn't so, come through so you know yeah, i, I, feel you I really that. did um you know I'm, I'm sorry i don't know the actress's name off the top of my head but yeah madam gallon sigourney weaver's characters like i felt like the other three should have been working for them yeah and oh, that took oh, they me, were and that took me out of it every time mm. the five of them were in a room yeah and they were supposed to be I feel you. You know, equal. But like I said, overall, 
I was happy. I like the whole. I like. The, I like the, the whole thing. I like they the cut little visual. I mean, um, arm. Misty Knight's arm. Yes, spoiler alert. Yeah, which you, which if you're a fan of the comics, you know as much as you love Simone and as much as you love watching her whole body run around in this show, you're just waiting for her to get decapitated. It felt so weird cheering getting her arm chopped. Off. I know, but, I know. It, it felt weird like watching that in slow motion. Yeah, and like you know, just hooray. Right. Just Especially felt- since I didn't think they were going to do it. Really? Oh, I knew they were. Like in Luke Cage, when she got shot in the arm, I thought they were like, okay, we're referencing it. Yeah. But clearly, this street level, like, we're not going to have somebody running around with a bionic arm. Nah, no. But now they do, and it's super awesome. Yes. I was, I I just knew they were going to do it. Like, I almost felt like when she was in Luke Cage, and even when they did shoot her in the arm, Mm -hmm. I felt like she was like Billy D. Right. She was like, now y'all shot me in his arm. Y'all better give me my bionic arm. Right. Don't come around and have Tommy Lee Jones playing Misty Knight in Luke right? Cage season two. Also, just to stay on comic book Misty Knight and Netflix Misty Knight, mm-hmm. her hair was magnificent. That big poofy afro deal. Yeah, and there was there were a couple of scenes that it was like whoa. <laughs> The couple of scenes, a couple of scenes, it was like uh, I was like, "This is this is uh, amazing." So. Having you know, you know what? Having seen you know Simone, like she's our, she's our friend, so yes. having seen her with with more of her hair as opposed to the wig, and she has big hair. She's got a lot of voluminous. Uh, I like the hair afro. I liked so, it too. You know. I liked it too. But there were some some scenes I was like, "Huh," mm-hmm. but um. So what do you think overall? I did. I did like it. Uh, I liked the whole visual thing that they were doing for the first couple of episodes where every storyline had its color palette. Right, right. I, right. You know, I, I like that. Um and um and I actually re- and I think really why I re- Jessica Jones stood out to me is because I had missed her. You right. know, I had just seen Luke Cage and I didn't, you know, suffered through Iron Fist. And Daredevil had two seasons. Yes. You know, the bit so it actually had been a minute since we've seen Jessica Jones. Right. So I I missed her character. Um and I and, and I love that she was acerbic. I love that and I love that they dealt with her relationship with Luke. That right. they dealt with that. That that wasn't just washed under the rug and it wasn't just and they dealt with it early on. And that easily could have been the end of it, but no, that still played played out throughout the throughout the uh, the series. I love that it was only eight freaking episodes. Yeah, in and out, in and out. Get it, get her done. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the 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 switch that they pull with Electra. I'm not gonna, I won't spoil that. But that that little switch, what you're like, didn't really make sense though. A cool moment didn't really make sense. It didn't make sense. It didn't. I don't think it properly built built okay. to that. All no, right. you're right. I don't think it built to that at all. Even though technically that does happen in the comics, yeah, but, but the comics certainly has more building up, and yeah. it's over a, a couple of storylines. Right, right, right. Um, a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true that too. Yeah, so. um, but. Uh, the one thing, the one, if I had one knock on this episode, or on this series, it's Marvel's movies tend to all have a similar style. 
right? right. There's only only few and far between have deviated from this style. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies right. and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. You know, because even Civil War kind of leaned back in on the that Marvel style. Sure. Right. Uh the the Netflix series certainly have a look so that you feel like they're all taking place in the same world. So with that you you see the style. But they also have a trope that they keep trying to return to. They keep trying to give you some over the top hallway scene. Yes. It's time for them to give up on the they'll never match the first season of Daredevil. Right. They'll never match it at all. The closest they came to it was the second season of Daredevil right. with Daredevil and the Punisher. Yes. As much bad as Luke Cage is, Luke Cage can't fight, so it's never going to be great choreography. It's just going to be him throwing people up against the wall. Yes. Jessica Jones is not a fighter, no. so it'll never be she's great choreography. She's a drinker, a tripper, <laughs> and w- she's one punch man. Yes. If that one punch don't do you, oh, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Go get a drink. And, and Iron Fist... <laughs> the Iron Fist is sloppy. Yeah. So they'll never redo it. So that I think they need to find a another do something else. Right. They need to find something else because it became distracting where I was like, all right, well, here comes the hallway scene. Right. And here comes the fake 360 degree look around the room. Um and that just and I don't think it is and also I don't think the action was as well choreographed. Right. Well, there's too many of them. Well, I mean, it was a lot of them, but it's just too, it's too, it's too many people. Well, you it was too many them. people in an enclosed space. That's true. They didn't have yeah. the room. They didn't have the room. They didn't have space. Yeah, that it's you just too many people. To. Hey, 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 that's true. And but, two of them, like you said, their powers are throwing people around. Right. Like it's not the Matrix. Yeah. Where it's this beautiful ballet of violence. Right. Right. So. But but overall, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked it. You I know. Liked it. I you know. I liked, it, I, I liked it a lot. I'll add a lot to that. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. And Misty Knight got her arm cut off. So now we get Huzzah. her arm. Huzzah! <laughs> and you know what? And I did enjoy Colin Wing in this. She became yeah. a little whiny, but for the most part, I enjoyed her. Right. And and her outfit was true to the comics. Um, man, we about to get some Daughters of the Dragon. Yeah, man. I am, I am here for that. Yes, man. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Even though... Does Luke Cage just only have yellow t-shirts yes he does <laughs> i wondered about that when he switched over i was gonna say he had a black I said, luke where's your yellow t-shirt <laughs> trademark but yes there you go so i enjoyed i enjoyed defenders and apparently a lot of people enjoyed it um so it, uh, from what you know netflix doesn't release their numbers but the word is, is that it did you know fairly well okay well good so that's cool all right, well, speaking of kung fu, we saw it long enough. <laughs> That's not nice. Well, let's let's but accurate. Let's play it's, the trip and get into it. And into 1974, Black Belt Jones. Enter Jim Dragon Kelly. He clubbers them up as Black Belt Jones. I lost three of my best men in there. Now I'm asking you as a favor. You're asking me to be the fourth. Get a couple tanks and blast it down. Forget it, man. I ain't going in there. 
It's a fortress. Well, fortress or no, it's top priority. <laughs> so am I. It's suicide. And dust to dust. Now, who killed my father? Who's Pinky? What you wonderful little mama? I ain't your mama. wrong man oh black bell she is good man she is bad boy what are you talking about sydney she went into the hip pocket what she's a fighter like us man it, pop, pop. she is fast oh she's bad now what are you doing no no you stay here till i get back do those dishes or something they're done Black Belt Jones leads his private commandos into the nerve center of a gangland stronghold to crack a super crime conspiracy. Enter Jim, Dragon, Kelly. This is the movie that breaks through to a new dimension in film excitement as Kelly takes on the underworld. Black Belt Jones, 1974, quote unquote, black exploitation film directed by Robert Klaus, uh, best known as the only American director who uh, or, or the only director who directed Bruce Lee in his English language film. Uh, the previous years Enter the dragon, mm-hmm. which um, Jim Kelly was also in. Yes. As well as directing 19. Is it 1980? Yeah. 1980s. Big Brawl. Which was Jackie Chan's Jackie Chan. uh, English language introduction. Debut. You know, he directed a lot of stuff, but I thought those were two pertinent entries to talk about. Starring the aforementioned Jim Kelly <laughs> as the title character, Black Belt Jones. It is set in the city where they are planning to build a civic center. Mm-hmm. There are some plans to build a civic center. And the mafia purchases all of the land. For the plan, except for one building owned by a uh, pop bird, yes, who is a black karate man or sensei. <laughs> I don't know if he's a karate man. He owns a, a karate. I mean, he, school, I mean, you know, and 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 he refuses to sell his building, but he's you know he owes money to a local uh, black gangster <laughs> who is working in concert with the mob. Yes. He won't give up the building. One thing, as they say, leads to another. 
mm-hmm. and Pops dies, as one sensei does in the karate movies. As people named Pops tend to do in yes. movies. And his old student, Black Belt Jones, has to come back and basically avenge Pops and take down the local gang and the mafia, aided by Pops' daughter, who he has not seen, he being Pops hasn't seen in 20 years, played by Gloria Hendry. Yes. So His daughter, Sydney. Sydney. So Jim Kelly, Gloria Hendry, Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. a host of people that you go, hey, I've seen them before. Yes. 1974's Black Belt Jones. This was your choice, Mr. Webb. What say you of Black Belt Jones? Um, it's funny. I am a like there. I have three. My I have three idols in my life. Okay. My dad. All right. Rest in peace. Uh, Batman. Okay. And Doctor J. Julius Irving. All right. All right. Now. For those who don't know, for you, for, you, for you kids listening, before there was LeBron James, before there was Michael Jordan, there was Julius Dr. J. Irving from the 70s and the 80s who, was, who brought the world of dunking to the artistry that it is now. He brought the world of skywalking. Just go, go on YouTube, YouTube Dr. J, watch the video, sit and be dazzled by the greatness of the man who played here in Philadelphia for the 76ers. Now, Julius, famously in the NBA, they had the, at their all-star game, they do a dunk contest, right? Right. A tradition that they actually picked up from the 70s um, rival basketball league, the ABA, yes. which is where Julius Irving got his start, which is where Julius Irving um, starred and won their first and only dunk contest, um, jumping from the foul line and dunking it. That was in 1975 that okay. he won that he won that dunk contest, right? The year after that, the ABA folds. Dr. J's contract is bought by the Philadelphia 76ers. He is now a Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and he leads the Philadelphia 76ers uh, to the championship round that first year, but they lose to the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, and they're, they are a high-wire team for the next next. 20 years um you know always rivaling at the top of the league um basically on the back of julius irving right now cut to the nba wants to bring bring their own the dunk contest back to life it's 1984 now 1984 julius irving has been in the league for a, a good 10 years or close to 10 years he's probably on the the other side of his prime okay in his in his career but because he was the winner of the first dunk contest of course he's going to enter in this contest in this dunk contest and this is before michael jordan dominique wilkinson any of them they they're not even thought of yet julius Irving goes into this dunk contest and he goes up gets larry nance of the Phoenix Suns. Larry Nance is a six foot eleven power forward. Okay. So now in the NBA, the centers are usually like seven six foot eleven or more. Your power forwards are usually between six foot eight, six foot nine. He is Larry Nance is six foot eleven. 
playing at the power forward position, but he plays like a small forward. He plays like Julius Irving. He's slashing and dashing and rock, running and, and rocking and rolling. Him and Julius Irving do battle in the dunk contest. Him and Julius Irving are going neck and neck in the dunk contest. Julius Irving, even at his advanced age at this point, still takes off from the foul line and dunks the ball. Unheard of. Especially the crowd goes wild okay. for Julius Irving. Larry Nance does a, a few dunks that are very good dunks. But because he's so tall, they're, they're only impressive because he makes the dunks and everybody else that's going up against him and Doc are missing dunks left and right. Right. They're nice dunks, but he's so tall that there's no like true artistry for him. You don't get to, to appreciate the artistry. Absolutely. Julius Irving, in trying to win this contest, goes from the foul line one more time and he misses the dunk. Oh, no. Larry Nance does some kind of dunk. He, he makes it. He wins the dunk contest. He wins the first dunk contest. Julius Irving, at that, at, at that stage of the game, this was going to be his one and only right, dunk right, contest right. in the NBA. Larry Nance wins it. Rightfully so. Right. But the artistry is missing because he's too tall. Too tall. You can't appreciate what he's doing. The the Mm. moving of the ball in air, it doesn't, and how long you stay in the air, it doesn't, it it doesn't resonate Mm. because he's, he's, he looks like he's mere inches off, off the ground. Cut to Black Belt Jones. Cut to Black Belt Jones. No, actually, cut to Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Enter the Dragon with, Bruce Lee. Now, Bruce Lee is, even at this point, while this is his American debut, he had already made three or four uh, movies in in China. Right, right. Which had cemented his stardom. Yes. Right? Um, which, which were nothing special plot-wise, nothing special even um, artistically right. to those movies. Nothing crazy special to the um to the core the fight choreography in those films except the last two because on the last two films bruce lee is has garnered enough cachet right that they allow him to right. choreograph That's the right. fights and when he choreographs the fights he knows exactly exactly what he wants the fight to look like to yes, emphasize how good he is, but to also make the other people not look like they are just standing there waiting to get pummeled. Yes, you know, to make it look like it is an actual Donnie Brook that he is in the midst of. Right. All the more reason to that you cheer for for Bruce Lee, and all the more reason to be mesmerized by the physicality of the man. Yes. So by the time when he gets to enter the dragon, and you have the American dollars thrown in here, um, Bruce is doing all of the choreography throughout the entire movie. He's doing everything in this movie, fight choreography. It's Bruce Lee's doing it. But you have the American sensibility. You have the America camera work. You have the um, the America budget, the American um, budget to make this a um, uh, 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 a uh, place, you know, to get the locations right, right. and everything, and, and they could rehearse. And they, like yeah, it was a time to actually true. train, time and, to rehearse and yeah, train. That, that's a good point. Very good yeah. point. And in that movie, like if you never see any other Bruce Lee movie, you see that movie. It, it encapsulates how how awesome the 
Bruce Lee is. You should see Chinese Connection too. I love the Chinese Connection. I'm, I'm not trying to cut in. Go, go, keep going, keep going. You watch just, the Chinese. I, I want the, the children to go and just get into the dragon and not get Chinese Connection. Okay, okay, okay go, ahead, go, get, get, go ahead. Go ahead. You're doing your thing. Go. This, I'm sorry, but but in this movie, you see him. I would say even I would still say don't even get Chinese Connection. Why? Because once you watch this film, not only are you mesmerized by the physicality of him, you are also you're also taken in by his acting. He's not the world's greatest actor. Yeah. But he knows when to shut up. Right. And he, when he there are a few people, I think only Steve McQueen shuts up better than Bruce Lee. <laughs> Cuz he knows how to just shut up and just cut you with those eyes, man. Right. And because you know, he can speak English. He was he, you know, he was raised in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he speaks with his own voice, there is there there is um there is depth to what he is saying. The man is acting, he is emoting. Absolutely. He, he is doing very well. Jim Kelly in Enter the Dragon is doing his thing. He's being Jim Kelly. Now, at this point in his life, Jim Kelly is not Jim Kelly, but he's on his way to that. Because he's, I think he's had like a couple of bit parts in a couple of movies, hmm. um, but I don't think I don't think he's like Jim. I don't think right, he's. Right. Like, a, that's the first thing I remember him in. Yeah, because I don't think he's like right. full blown like the man yet. But this is the movie that is set to make him the right, man. Right, right, he's got next. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the. And in the scenes where where Jim Kelly is done, he's admittedly he's not given a lot to do in this movie, right? Um, but in the scenes where where he is actively actually acting off of someone, which it's mostly John Saxon, yes, the American actor that they stuck in this movie, who's just doing his part. I ain't going to be mad at John Saxon. I like John Saxon. I actually, actually. really like John Saxon. I, I do. I really. I, John Saxon's cool with me. Just for he'll ever forever be cool because. He's Roper in Enter the Dragon. Right, right. But right, um, right. but Jim Kelly in the acting off of of John Saxon in that movie, he gets a couple of good lines, a couple mm-hmm. of good looks. And when he does have to exercise his his kung fu in this movie, it's not bad because Bruce, having choreographed right. those scenes, knew how to take advantage of Jim Kelly's physicality jim kelly is a tall man yeah he's got long limbs so you when you see him fight you want to see you want to see the full extension of those limbs right you want to see them uncoil right in whatever ferocity he's putting behind them when he's fighting whomever right right and he comes off great he get he get, he gets handled and he he gets he gets handled pretty I bad mean, pretty know. bad by an old guy in this movie yeah. but it's not his movie right right you right. know he got next next was Black Belt Jones and here we are and here we are at Black Belt Jones and Jim Kelly is set to make the like take the the bull by the horns yes like this is mine by now it's 1974. Bruce Lee, unfortunately, has passed away. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the China is reeling. It, but now there's 
Exit the Dragon, Enter the Tiger, and all right, the Bruce right, Lies right, and right, Bruce right. Leroy's and all that happening over there in China. They're looking for the next Bruce Lee. He, the, if he can capture this, if he can take Black Belt Jones and ride this to stardom, boom, the, the world is, 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 his, is his oyster. And? And man, does he fumble at the landing. <laughs> Whoa, Jim Kelly is rough. He is just really not good. But you knew he wasn't going to be a great actor. When you're a kung fu star, right. you're not asked to be a great actor. You're asked to have great physicality, right. to be able to pull off these amazing feats of daring do and fight and fighting uh, in, these, in the movies in which you're set. Your actor look good when it goes to slow-mo. And you're act to you're asked to be um, to be charismatic, so that people want to see you do your thing. Jim Kelly is none of them. Yeah, he's he. he I will say that he is a striking, you know, man. Good looking you, dude. Good looking dude. Tall, cut chiseled you know rocks out his rocks his afro beautiful well, afro beautiful afro one of one of the best afros you will ever see yeah, is yeah. A, is adorned upon the head of jim kelly but his kung fu is is sloppy yeah at best yeah the choreography is abysmal yeah. because he's he's so long yet every one of his kicks are like bicycle kicks yeah With, Jim Kelly should not be doing bicycle kicks. Yeah. There's no reason why he should be doing bicycle. There's no reason why he should just be backslapping people to the side of their necks and, and throwing them through, you know, sugar water glass. Yeah. And and this is this is right here. This is like um uh kung fu movie uh crime 101. He should not need a stunt double for a roundhouse kick. Yeah. He has a stunt double for yeah. a roundhouse kick. Amen. He has stunt doubles yeah. in and throughout it, this it's movie. It's actually a fair number of stunt doubles. Yes. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Most people, if unless you're Jackie Chan... Right. You've got a stunt double or two for a couple of things. Bruce Lee didn't always ride the motorcycles in his movies. No, no, but for the martial arts, it, it should be you. It should be if you. You are a martial artist. Yes. And this this man is a martial masquerader. Yeah, I mean, where do you start with Jim Kelly? I agree. <laughs> Let me start with I agree. I will say this about what you said about martial artists and action stars. I actually think when you look at the cream of the crop, and I'm thinking of obviously Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. um, Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. I'd even put like Stephen Chow in there. Yeah, Jet Li. I'm not going to include Jet Li in what I'm about to say. Okay, fair enough. I think all three of these men actually have charisma. Okay, like there's yeah, actual you're right. Good charisma point. there. Like, like you know, Bruce Lee, as you said, wasn't the greatest actor. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's kind of like when we were talking about um, comedy lead, comedy romantic lead, and romantic leads a couple of weeks ago. Right. I think 
martial art acting. Bruce Lee was fine. I thought he. I thought he was charismatic. Yes. I thought he had a sense of humor and a presence. I, I, he. I mean, you can't take your eyes off of Bruce Lee. Right. And Jim Kelly doesn't have that. And and then you know the. I think the the challenge that Jim Kelly has is that he is actually part of two traditions. Mm. So he's part of of the the martial arts film tradition, but then he's also part of the black exploitation film tradition. Yes. And whether we're talking about Bruce Lee or whether we're talking about Fred Williamson. Okay. Jim Kelly does not have that charisma. Right. You know, I think Jim Kelly <coughs> thinks he's more charismatic than he is. Yeah. You know, again, very good looking man. Um, he actually looks like he should be the lead in something. Yeah. Yeah. But he just cannot carry it off and and it's especially jarring in a film like this when he has people around him mm-hmm. who are much more charismatic than yes he is. yes like gloria henry damn near steals the movie from him yes like by the, by the end of- culture kings is a podcast on the how stuff works network hosted by comedians jackie's neal and edgar montplacere Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands. With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. The film, you want to follow her. By the end of the film, when she comes in and cleans up the billiard hall. You know what? Her and because I've seen this, like I've seen, I've seen in in the dragon, I've seen Black Belt Jones a fair number of times, Mm -hmm. and Gloria Hendry's entrance into the funeral. Well, yeah, right there in the black dress. What did what what did you write down in your notes? (laughs) I believe my notes were my extensive notes. (laughs) I said, and I quote myself, Gloria, Mother Effing Hendry. And her hat (laughs) with three exclamation marks because she walked in and the whole like gravity shifted towards her. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it it, it is it is it it actually throws you out the movie a little bit because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, the script, the camera, the director, the title, everything tells you. This is Jim Kelly's film. Yes. And, you know, as you said, when you look at the pieces involved, this was supposed to be his it's coming out party. His coming out party. Mm-hmm. And but but again, you cannot take your eyes off of Gloria Hendry nope. with this as a martial artist. And I think just physically, as you kind of mentioned, Gloria Hendry is is, a, you know, a short woman. Mm-hmm. You know, she's probably like five, two, five, three. Right. So that the scene when she clears out the bar, like you just talked about, is the best fight scene in the film. 
Yes, it is. You're right. It yeah. is, is the best fight. For- and, you know, it's kind of frustrating because I actually like a fair amount of the movie. Like, I like, I think the direction, you know, in talking about modifiers so that you have a low ball. I think when we talk about Black Belt Jones, hmm. like, this very much fits into, like, besides coffee, mm-hmm. this is probably the most black exploitation, black exploitation y film we've done. So far, so far. I mean, when you look at and you know, even with coffee, you know, we talked about there was like this weird psychological undercurrent. Uh, Cleopatra Jones, mm-hmm. you, you know, we talked about that. That's almost another genre. Yeah, it's like a, like this is an actual black exploitation film. I like Stephen Krause's direction. Like, like I love the opening. You, you know, I love the opening with the credits. Um, I like the plot. I think it's a good plot. I think the script... Uh, the plot is all over the place, man. Well, the plot, I think... This is what I'll say, and I've always said this about black exploitation film plots that I like. I like that it's complicated. Okay. You it, know, it's not l- simple. Yeah, like, I like true. that, that you know, it's not about getting the smack out the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, this is actually a pretty sophisticated plot going on. And, you know, with the, the real estate, and we're planning on the development, and we need this patch of land, and I love that. Um, I like that the film has a sense of humor, but it okay. doesn't get distracting, at least in my read. Like, you know, Scatman Crothers and, and you know, one of my, you know, I always have my favorite little character actors in here. She does. She's not given a lot to do, but Esther Sutherland. Oh, as, as uh, Scatman Crothers, like basically girlfriend. girlfriend or common law wife. Love seeing her. Mm. You know, uh, we you know you mentioned already um, Eric uh, Lanaville, Eric Lanaville, who is one of these great actors that you know that shows up during the seventies. I like Alan Weeks. Mm-hmm. Alan Weeks is in a couple of things from this period. I like the you know I like you, you know I wish they had done more with it, but you know we mentioned Ted Lang plays the militant. Yeah. In one scene who comes in to, you know, demand that, you know, they make changes. So I like that. Usually we wait to the end to talk about this kind of stuff. But I, I, you know, I really have to talk about Luchi de Jesus, who is the composer of this film. And and it's it, you know, I'm not even going to list everything he does, but go to his IMDb page and just look at everything that this man worked on. I mean, he did music for McMillan and Wife, he did music for um Colcheck the Night Stalker, he oh, did really? music for The 6 Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, Chips, uh Ironside, That Girl. Like this is a very distinctive 70s sound see and it it's it's funny that those are his credits because as i was watching this there was a almost a part of me that was like was this a made for tv movie because it it had that feel i love the energy i love the energy of it and you know i'm not of the music Okay. The music, and you know, I'm not a DJ. Well, okay, no, well, but, you're but right. You're I right. suspect that a couple. Of- I, I suspect it's some it's some diggers and some heads nodding their heads like, mm, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. There was a couple of breaks I've yeah, certainly it's, heard. Like it's mad breaks throughout the thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, I really like that. So that I ended up like I, like I actually went into because I've never been a I've always been kind of tepid 
about Jim Kelly. Like I always like I actually don't like his character in mm. Enter the Dragon. And in Three the Hard Way, I always felt like he was the weakest link. So I've always been sort of eh. So, you know, going into this, I really didn't expect to come out of it with much. Mm. But by the end, it and you know, and it's 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 it seems like it's damning it with faint praise, but it's an hour and a half. You it's know, got that going for you know, it. Get in and get out. But, you know, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't overstay its welcome, but the scene where they try to fit in this, uh, all of a sudden we're at Beach Blanket Bingo and him and Gloria Hendry are chasing each other around the beach. Yeah. Um, that scene, that goes on probably two minutes too long. You know, it was the humor of it, not to mention the fact that I loved the way Sydney's character, I love how they dealt with Sydney's character. How, you know, you kind of have these men throughout kind of underestimating her. And like, I actually, without irony, laughed out loud when he told her to do the dishes. Mm. And then she took a gun and shot the dishes and said, the dishes are done. See, I like that. That made me laugh. That did make me laugh. I thought that was good. I thought that was uh, uh, very cool. But I thought that they then do her her character disservice in that whole chasing around the beats scene. Like, I I felt she she let go of some of her well, you agency. Know, you ain't, ain't going to just sweep her off her feet. Well, I, I, I understand that. You got I, to kung fu woo her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, that, maybe maybe it's maybe, not a great movie. But maybe that maybe that doesn't bother me so much if there's some chemistry between them two. I mean, again, there I, is like zero, and I this, guess that's this, again this, that's Jim Kelly. This is another one. You know, it's it's we run it. We've run into these films before where you know the weak link, unfortunately, is the foundation of that the, the film is built on. Yeah. But, you know, even with that, like I said, when the credits rolled, I was like, huh, I actually like that more than I thought I was. Mm. They should have put that. They should put that on the Blu-ray. Vincent Williams of the Michelle Mission. Huh. I like that more than I thought I would. How many H's in huh? <laughs> Two. One at the beginning, one at the end. Huh. I like that more than I thought I would. Vincent Williams of the Michelle Mission. Anyway, <laughs> Len Webb of the Michelle Mission. <laughs> um, you like the plot. I did like the, I love plots. Then, can you explain something about the plot? Because, yes. admittedly, they tried to, you know, tie all the. Right, tie it all together. All together. In the beginning of the movie. Yes. Some guy has some pictures. <laughs> yes, there's there are some incriminating pictures. Some incriminating pictures. Yes, of the mob guy. I don't know what the incriminating <laughs> pictures. Are. It's kind of like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Yes, <laughs> because they don't play a part in the rest of the movie. So was that his soul in there? Because he had the band aid on the back of his head. Did they suck his soul out and put it in the suitcase? Yeah, I don't know. They don't. They never really resolve what really the pictures do anything were, for yeah. the rest of the movie. Yeah, they never resolve what the pictures are of. So, <laughs> while I can appreciate, well, go ahead, go ahead. I can appreciate. I, I do have an answer for the you know, pictures. They, they try to, you know, give you, you know, a true 
mystery. Yes. But I think they want left one mystery undone. Well, well, here's here's why. Because and and you know, I actually broke one of the cardinal rules and, and I text Lynn earlier today about parts of the movie that we didn't talk about. We hadn't talked about it yet. This is the most cliched, stereotypical depiction of the Italian mafia mm-hmm. that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've watched a lot of garbage movies in my life. Like, I feel like the Italian Anti-Defamation League should have been all over this. Really? Why so? Oh, they're, they're the mobsters. Ooh, they're mobsters. Ooh, it's an olive oil company. Ooh. Ooh, sit down. Let's eat some pasta. Let's eat some. Ooh, we're going to stuff a lot of pasta in our mouth. And, you know, the mafia always has incriminating pictures of peoples. So... You think that was the stereotype? I think that's it. That's I think the stereotype? That's just, they always have some information that they hold over your head. That and it'd be a shame if you had some kind of accident. I'm in the mafia. We do mafia stuff. That's what you're saying is the Ooh, most serious. To bring out some pasta. We're going to stuff. There is actually a scene where they're all sitting at the table cramming pasta in their mouth. I like that you see them actually putting the pasta in their mouth, sucking it all out. <sighs> Ooh, this is some good pasta. We're Italian and we're in the mafia. We got an olive oil company to cover our illegal activities. I said, this is terrible. But the one guy was, his voice was dubbed. <laughs> yes. Because the one actor apparently wasn't Italian enough. Robert Krause was like, can you be more Italian? And the guy's like, no. He's like, all right, we'll dub you. That reminds me, quick aside. <laughs> quick aside. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey on his podcast, he does this, he tells this story about he was in some movie. I can't remember what it was. Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> Whatever. And he had to like run from this building, right? So he, he, he runs from the building and the director says, cut. It's like, Gilbert, okay. <laughs> this time, when you run, maybe just like, you know, um, maybe a little bit more, you know, you're in danger and everything like that. But let us see the danger a little bit when, when you're running, right? Like, action. Gilbert runs from the building again. Cut. <laughs> uh, Gilbert, maybe when you run, you know, we want to see it, but we just... You know, we don't want to see it too much. You know, you know the arms, the flail, and everything like that. You know, okay, with me, action. Gilbert runs, runs away from the cut. Gilbert, can you run less, Jewy? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because he's casually anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like that person was involved with this film as well. And, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, I think we all know at this point, I like bizarre. Like, I like little random bizarre elements that I think you get in 70s movies. Such as? Because there isn't as much oversight on the production. Yes. Jim Kelly is some type of martial arts operative like i don't know if he works yes for the police like i think he's maybe a a mercenary maybe he seems to be he seems to be like like 
like Shaft. He kind of works on his own, but right, also right. works in. Well, Shaft is actually a private detective, though. Like he has an office. Okay, and he used true. to be. So a, I guess he's not a like private. it's very concrete what John Shaft's job is. That's true. You that's know, true. it opens up, and they say, you know, I think they refer to him, refer to him as an operative. Right. But then he's haggling over the price mm-hmm. of whether or not he's going to go take down this mobster. And again, it's right in the title. Black Belt Jones. That's Jim Kelly's thing. I think he's That's shoots. Jim Kelly's name. That's I mean, that's the character. First name thing. Black, middle name, because they call him BB. They yes, call they him, do. They call him Belt. Yes. <laughs> they call, when somebody kisses Yo, Belt. I was like, did they seriously call yeah, him? Yes, they, they do. seriously call this man Belt. He shoots a gun, I believe, one time. Yes. And even then, it's played for laughs. He shoots a guy in the butt. So this is not some multi-disciplined, multi-talented, like this is not Jason Bourne. Right. Like he he does martial arts. Right. Has a beach house as a high-level operative and mercenary. Uh, want a, a, to do. Has, want to do. Periodically, he goes down to the beach, and it's like these 19-year-old white girls. And I think it's important that they're white. Because this is in the black exploitation genre, and we, you know, you talk about the sexuality of black men in this period, and then sort of the most transgressive thing they can do is sort of have this sexual contact with white women, right? And they kind of set it up that he's, you know, this this sort of ladies' man mm-hmm. with these young girls, and they're all in bathing suits, and 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 they're on a trampoline, yeah. And that's really the extent. Yeah. Of what we find out, like he goes down and the lead one, he's sort of talking about them training and jumping, but yes. there's no explanation for what they're training for. There's no explanation of why Black Boat Jones is involved with it. No. You, you know, it's just, we just are, are supposed to take it at face value and it's confusing, but then you sort of go along with it and it's hilarious. Yeah. Because then when they do have to infiltrate the mobster's um, mansion, he's able to utilize their trampoline skills Yes, to do things like freeze the alarm with some Freon. And, and, and then, you know, I love like, you know, they have a training montage and they're showing Black Belt Jones and Sydney training the girls to do different things about this. You know, it's basically a heist. It's basically a heist sequence. Right. And they're training how to do. And there's one shot where Black Belt Jones teaches one of the girls how to press the button on a camera. It's like he's training her how to use a camera. Why does she not know how to use a camera? What is going on in this? She's a 19-year-old white girl in 1974. She's good she's at a beach girl. She, well, except she's a beach girl who does trampolines. Again, they're not just running around the beach. They're doing trampolines. It was saying the reason she would not know how to operate a camera. Love this. By the end, I loved every part of the white girl beach trampoline squad. And I wanted a spinoff of them getting into adventures that all involve trampolines. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Collapsible trampolines. Of course. Because remember, there's a trampoline that portable that black belt Jones closes with a karate chop. Yes. I said, eh, all right, sure. Why not? I'll go with it. It's interesting that um, in some of the movie posters, when you look at some of the movie posters for Black Belt Jones, they play up him 
being with these white women sexually because they are in bathing suits. Yeah. So in some of the posters, you'll see he's like sat and the girls are like adorned around him like eye candy, like, right, you know, right? Like arm candy. Gloria Hendry, I think primarily because she is, you know, she's she's in on the action on this film. Right. Right. She's never sexualized in any of the advertising for the movie. Isn't that weird? I mean, yeah. not weird, but no, I think weird. I think it is because she's weird. the love interest. Yeah, because she decidedly is the love interest. Yeah, though. like from the from the door from when she walks into the movie, um, I thought that that was like a little interesting. Uh, but that's the seventies, you know, because they're gonna that is the seventies. They're gonna try and get you in, like you know, get come in for the girls, you know. And it's it's also, I mean, this is after Diamonds Are Forever. Oh yeah. So this is a year later. You would think maybe I'm, I don't know how that informs the publicity for this film or or her performance in it. But you know, is Gloria Hendry as big of a name as Jim Kelly at this moment? Maybe. I mean, I mean he he had a big role in in Enter the Dragon. She had a big role in. I mean, a, a role, mm-hmm. a, a memorable role in Diamonds Are Forever. If she wasn't as big of a name, and and it's it's questionable that she was because I think. Um, Jim Kelly star certainly shined more from Enter the Dragon, sure, than hers did from Diamond Are Forever. Um, if she wasn't as big of a name, this movie was primed to make a name for her. Absolutely. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that she's acting against him. You know, right, right. You can't blame her for taking the movie. No, 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 no. And then, you know, I've said it, I love Gloria Hendry. I, I I love the scene where she where like when she goes into the pool hall yeah and she takes off her shoes oh and just like you know undoes a couple of buttons of her dress oh, and it's like come she, on from suckers. the bottom because she, um, she got to do some kicks yeah ooh I feel like that may have been printed on me yeah man like you know I saw that I was you know probably eleven saw that for the first time I was like oh okay mm. <laughs> mm. let me keep that mm-hmm. so that's that's a that's interesting now. Thinking about where does my love of zippers come from? Yeah. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> In retrospect, I watched more black exploitation than I probably should have yeah, yeah. between the ages of like 12 and 14. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm thinking about my love of zippers yeah. probably comes from yeah. watching women unzip the back. Yeah, of hey, man. So, anyway. Yeah. Where were we? We were talking about Black Belt Jones and our view of it. Uh, you know, as as we are wont to do when we talk about films in this in this genre. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Black Belt Jones as an example of you know? And I, I keep saying quote unquote. Hopefully, at this point, people know I always have it in quotes. Black exploitation. Well, as an example of black exploitation, it clearly is a black exploitative movie. A movie of that era, but it's a bad movie. Okay, it's just really is. It really is compared to what? Like, what's better than this? Oh, um, like a standard black exploitation film. Well, I think that um, I. All right, because Shaft is not standard, right? Um, Hell up in Harlem. Is this better than Hell up in Harlem? No. Oh, that's interesting because I would say it, it isn't. No. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. I agree with oh, you. Oh, no. No. All this right. is not bad. Truck Turner? 
I have to see Truck Turner again, but I can't imagine that this is as fun as Truck Turner. It's not better than Truck Turner. Yeah, like mm. it just because I think like yeah, because Truck Turner is not a great movie either. Right. But Truck Turner, people they're having fun. Yeah, they're having a good time. Like Nichelle Nichols is having a ball. Easy talking about imprinting. She's having a ball in Truck Turner, and it comes off the screen. So yeah, this is not better than Truck Turner. Uh, three the hard way. This is not better than three the hard way. Uh, what, what was Fred Williamson saves three the hard way? Well, I think Fred Williamson is actually a really charismatic. Yes, he is. Like, like in my mind, he is the gold stand. Like when he I is. said Fred exactly. Williamson and Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. like he really is in my mind the gold standard yeah. of the black exploitation yes. actor. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, this is, and I was actually trying to think of some of the the lower tiers. I mean, like cause this is not better than Superfly. It's not better than. Oh, you I know. think Superfly is an actual film. I don't think that's lower tier. Well, but but it's right. in that like it's, slaughter. It, it, it's in that. OK, you think it's better than slaughter? Here, here I'll I'll do you this. OK. Black Bell Jones. Gloria Henry saves a little bit of this movie. Yes. She said what there is to be saved in this movie, she saves it. Right. Okay. But I don't think that she saves this movie to the degree that I would put this movie over anything by Dolomite. And I hate Dolomite. I don't think that's fair. You know, Dolomite, I think this is like oranges and grapefruit. Like, I think Dolomite is almost its own thing. I think, what's that stupid movie you had us watch? The Monkey Hustle is better than this. <laughs> wow, you really don't like this. Because I, because. I don't think it's better. I think it's better than The Monkey Hustle. It's not better than The Monkey Hustle. Because The Monkey Hustle, as as much as Jaffa Koto never needs to do comedy. Yes. He's trying to do comedy. Right. He's right. having fun trying to be this slickster in that movie. Right. Right. And he, he's. Yeah, having a little bit of a good time with it. This movie is like Jim Kelly is he he's cardboard. Yeah, and so then the saving grace has to be the fighting. Yeah, because you're really only going in there for the fighting. Sure, and sure. then the fighting lets you down. Okay, the fighting lets you down, but at least does he look good fighting? Wait right. a minute, it's not even him doing all of the fighting. You know, and then. They're fighting in a car wash. It's very strange. See, that's that's one of the strange elements that by the end of it, I was like, because it's like they were fighting in the soap, like it was real soapy, and they were fighting. And at first, it was weird. Yeah, then it was dumb. <laughs> exactly. But then it went on for like ten minutes. And then I thought it was magnificent. Like I love the fact that they leaned into well, they could, could just gonna have Jim Kelly and and I love the swerve that they do where this this is the end of the movie, but come to find out it has absolutely nothing to do with the plot. When the mobsters surround their house and they've just finished making love, mm-hmm. and Gloria Hendry, like because this is a plot point, doesn't have time to put her panties on. Yeah, and there's this whole thing where. It's sort of the it's like Chekhov's uh Chekhov's booty mm-hmm. where I keep waiting to see Gloria Hendry's butt. Because <laughs> they they made such a point of it. Like she throws the panties out the window and so they threw panties at me and there's all this panty talk. And then they don't and it goes off. And I love that. I love how strange that is. You love that you love that they didn't pay that off for you, I, I love that it didn't pay because 
I was actually disappointed when the whole thing started mm-hmm. because I really did like how Gloria Hendry was handled yeah. in this film with yeah. all of it. And then, you know, appropriately enough, I think if you look at my notes mm-hmm. for The Last Dragon, mm-hmm. a lot of it parallels these notes where you talk about this kind of not really charismatic lead. Mm-hmm. You talk about how the film, like you have you have a male lead and a female lead, but the male lead is sexualized way more than the female lead. Okay. You talk about the fighting not being that good. The, the fight scenes, which then leads to the biggest critique that we both agreed on. I think the shadow of Bruce Lee Loom so large over this thing mm-hmm. that by the end, you know, I, you know, I was joking early about the Chinese connection. When it went off, I actually wanted to watch the Chinese connection. It looms so large. I mean, it's the same director. It's just, you know that at the end when he's in his, you know, in the dishwasher fighting, whatever the heck he's yes. on, on that soap, and then somehow he gets a stick. I'm like, all right, Jim's going to do some work with the stick. I would know. Not for one second did I say, all right, Jim is going to do the stick. As soon as he well, I knew he stick, wasn't. I said this. Is I knew he good. wasn't because he had no skills. Yeah. But I was like, is he going to surprise me? Yeah. But then he doesn't. No. Okay. And then he breaks the stick in half. I'm like, all right, so he going to break it down? No. No. But then he gets an inner tube. Then he gets. <laughs> he gets an inner tube. This. Is he's fighting with it? He's fighting. In a bucket of suds with an inner tube. He makes three successive very quick bad decisions <laughs> about using weapons. As soon as he picked it up, I said, I yelled at the screen, Jim, put that down. Please don't pretend like you're going to do something oh with God. that. And like you said, if you've never seen a Bruce Lee movie, You've seen that moment mm. at, in Enter the Dragon where he pulls out the nunchucks. Yes. I mean, it is so iconic. Yes. And it's that, you know, it's the old. If you've seen The Last Dragon, it's in that. But it's the same thing. It's like, oh, don't make me think of better movies. <laughs> at least they don't show clips from the movie in the background. That's true. So, you know. That's true. But did you notice that the dialogue, because famously out of End of the Dragon, like outside of outside of Jim Kelly dying, the biggest thing anybody remembers from Ender Dragon is his most fam- his iconic line from that movie. You come out of a comic book. You come out of a comic book. Yeah. Did you notice in this movie they kept trying to give him a similar line? Yes. They kept trying, and I can't tell you what any of those lines were because they all sucked. Yes. They, he couldn't land none of them. Yeah. And they don't realize that the only reason that line landed is because it's one of the only four lines he had in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. My son actually had a onesie with Jim Kelly on it, and it said it actually said, you look like you come out of a comic book. Really? On the bottom of it. Mm. So that's Black Belt. I was going to say, that's going to be my last word. of it's, it's, And the other thing about Jim Kelly and Ty Mock, very nice men. You ever meet Jim Kelly? I have not. He also does the circuits. Oh, does he? Like, like he, he, he shows up 
at stuff. What else he's doing? Nice. Oh, don't say that. Don't do that. Nice guy. Not, and I think that's worth saying out loud. That is worth it. Because I've met Tom Mike. Tom Mike is a very nice guy. Very nice. Like, you almost feel bad talking about his performance. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is, bro. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did see those parallels between this film and The Last Dragon. Maybe not parallels that they wanted, but there you go. There you go. I mean... I think you kind of have to see it. Like if you if you're gonna be a black sport, are you serious? I think if you no, you don't. Okay, no. If you got a ma- if you were majoring in black exploitation, you definitely have to see it. If you got a minor in black exploitation, I wouldn't be mad at you if you saw it. Like if you got a minor in black exploitation, you had to see seven black exploitation films, and this was one of them. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, it's not like, you know, I don't think it's not the, like Blackenstein. I don't think the Kung Fu craze touched or Sugar Hill touched uh, black America to the extent that you need to see black America's attempt at at at, 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 at a karate. So. All right. So, no. Now, if you want to wonder, like, hey, there was this Kung Fu craze. Was there any black person? Right, right. Watch Enter the Dragon. It's a name that comes up, though. Black Belt Jones is a name that comes up. Yes. He was Jim the Dragon Kelly. Yeah. He was Black Belt Jones. Where was he Black Belt Jones in? Well, there was Enter a the movie. Dragon. There was a, well, right, right. <laughs> right. All right. All right. I ain't going to fight you, but so hard. Don't no. You don't ever. No one ever needs to waste their time with Black Belt Jones. Yes. I'm sorry, Jim Kelly. I know yes. you're a very nice it's guy. An hour and a half. They they can go buy the posters, it's they can go buy the pictures, and they can get it get it signed. No, if you're gonna spend that hour and a half, watch the end of the dragon. And I'm gonna say this. If somehow you end up somewhere and you find the score, pick that up. Now me. I would pick up the soundtrack. Yeah, pick up I pick up the pick score. Up the, pick up the score all pick day. Up the soundtrack, because that is that would be a now that'd be a fun to because there was one little break in there it that is, I, I was, it was it, I'm mad that I couldn't. You know what? The reason I looked it up is because 20 minutes into the thing, I was like, this music is bananas. Who is this? But there's one break. I know it's part, it's like a classic hip hop joint. I can't think of yeah, it. Yeah, so. I'm mad. And then when I saw everything that, that he had done, I was like, yeah, I knew this one. So, like, I knew this one, the director's nephew. Right. Who scored this. Like, this is a real dude. So. Yeah. All right. Yes. So it was Jingling Baby. Yeah, Jingling Baby, the L Cool J song samples it. Yes. I knew somebody used it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll play that at the end, ladies and gentlemen. You got All Jingling right. Baby coming for you at the end. Yeah. Um Go ahead, baby. <laughs> All right, so this that's it. <laughs> that's enough. All right. Black Belt Jones. I hope you've been uh enjoyed this before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michelle Mission. I invite each and every one of you to uh email us at Michelle Mission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Michelle Mission. Let us know what you thought of the review. Let us know uh any movies that you think you would like to see us cover on the road to 100 let us know your thoughts and um concerns or what have you tell us if we're doing a good job tell us if we're doing a bad job hit us up um if you want to really help us out uh rank or leave a um comment or a review of our show on itunes or any place that you subscribe 
to the Michelle mission because it is through all of those you know, reviews and likes and rankings that raises our profile within the algorithms of all those podcast podcast catchers and tells them that they need to push our show out there that much more so people can find it. So help your friends find us by, you know, telling them what you think. Find us. There you go. There you go. So next week. Next week. On the Michelle mission. On the Michelle mission. It'll be Vince's movie. Yes. And my choice is Driving Miss Daisy. I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait either. Because I really, 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 really like Driving Miss Daisy. I despise this film. So. Ooh, oh, like firecracker. You know how many some people tell us like they may want to just like come and just, you know, do like a movie. Yeah. And, you know, listen, you know, check it out. Talk about this movie. Y'all might want to just come and get a front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> this this one promises to this promises to be good. Oh, yeah. It promises it'll oh, it'll yeah. it'll be better than Mayweather and Cause, McGregor because I'm pulling out Zora Neale Hurston. Oh, boy. My great grandmother. And statistics. Statistics? Statistics. And that's a really hard word for me to say. It's a st sound. Yeah. yeah. That's with all um, Baltimore people, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, problem with the S's. Yes, yes. The, 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 the term statistically insignificant shall be used. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. That's next week. That's next week on the show mission, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've enjoyed the show. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's Jingling, baby. <laughs>
I'm top notch, you're playing hopscotch. Now I'm a dude, you wanna party with me, watch. You're real funny, you really tried to go for yours, but I know why, you ain't had a go before. So you tried and lied to drain my fame. This ain't a game, yo, you know my name. Innovating, devastating, and don't want a single now. Dance in my remix single. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead, baby. The jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. The jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. The jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. When you first walked in, I ain't know what to think. Cause you grabbed the microphone like your booty don't stink. And tried to run down back. I can't get over that garbage you were saying. You call out a battle round round. How you gonna go against an army with a handgun? I'm LL, you don't understand, son. I'm a legend, on top of that I'm living. Now you look booty like that bum is given. Whoever keeps you up, nah. How should I say it? Whoever set you up, think just how to play it. Cause man, yeah. I feel for you, brother, I'm a bad. Taking out suckers while the ladies pucker. Rolling over punk. Like a redneck trucker, innovating, devastating. They don't want a single now. Let me see your earrings jingle. They're jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. 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 Say to your city. 